Hello, this is R.J. Deacon, reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Ortiz v. United States. Certiori to United States Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces. Argued January 16th, 2018. Decided June 22nd, 2018. Congress has long provided for specialized military courts to adjudicate charges against service members. Today, courts martial hear cases involving crimes unconnected with military service. They are also subject to several tiers of appellate review and thus are part of an integrated court martial system that resembles civilian structures of justice. That system begins with the court martial itself, a tribunal that determines guilt or innocence and levies punishments up to life imprisonment or execution. The next phase occurs at one of four appellate courts, the Court of Criminal Appeals for the Army, Navy, Marine Corps, Air Force, or Coast Guard. They review decisions where the sentence is a punitive discharge, incarceration for more than one year, or death. The Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces, CAAF, sits atop the court-martial system. The CAAF is a court of record, comprised of five civilian judges, 10 U.S.C. 941, which must review certain weighty cases and may review others. Finally, 28 U.S.C. 1259 gives this court jurisdiction to review the CAAF's decisions by writ of certiori. Petitioner Keanu Ortiz, an airman first class, was convicted by a court-martial of possessing and distributing child pornography, and was sentenced to two years imprisonment in a dishonorable discharge. An Air Force CCA panel, including Colonel Martin Mitchell, affirmed that decision. The CAAF then granted Ortiz's petition for review to consider whether Judge Mitchell was disqualified from serving on the CCA because he had been appointed to the Court of Military Commission Review. The Secretary of Defense had initially put Judge Mitchell on the CMCR under his statutory authority to assign officers who are appellate military judges to serve on that court. 10 U.S.C. 950FB2 To moot a possible constitutional problem with the assignment, the President, with the Senate's advice and consent, also appointed Judge Mitchell to the CMCR, pursuant to 950FB3. Shortly thereafter, Judge Mitchell participated in Ortiz's CCA appeal. Ortiz claims that Judge Mitchell's CMCR appointment barred his continued CCA service under both a statute and the Constitution. First, he argued that the appointment violated 973B2A, which provides that unless otherwise authorized by law, an active duty military officer may not hold or exercise the functions of certain civil offices in the federal government. Second, he argued that the Appointments Clause prohibits simultaneous service on the CMCR and the CCA. The CAAF rejected both grounds for ordering another appeal. The Supreme Court held, This court has jurisdiction to review the CAAF's decision. The judicial character and constitutional pedigree of the court-martial system enable this court in exercising appellate jurisdiction to review the decisions of the courts sitting at its apex. 
in Amicus Curiae, Professor Aditya Bamsey argues that cases decided by the CAAF do not fall within Article 3's grant of appellate jurisdiction to this court. In Marbury v. Madison, Chief Justice Marshall explained that the essential criterion of appellate jurisdiction is that it revises and corrects the proceedings in a case already instituted and does not create that cause. Here, Ortiz's position asks this court to revise and correct the latest decision in a cause that began and progressed through military justice proceedings. Unless Chief Justice's Chief Justice Marshall's test implicitly exempts cases instituted in a military court, the case is now appellate. There is no reason to make that distinction. The military justice system's essential character is judicial. Military courts decide cases in strict accordance with a body of federal law and afford virtually the same procedural protections to service members as those given in a civilian criminal proceeding. The judgments a military tribunal renders rest on the same basis and are surrounded by the same considerations as give conclusiveness to the judgments of other legal tribunals. Ex parte read. Accordingly, such judgments have res judicata and double jeopardy effect. The jurisdiction and structure of the court-martial system likewise resembles those of other courts whose decisions this court reviews. Courts-martial try service members for garden-variety crimes unrelated to military service and can impose terms of imprisonment and capital punishment. Their decisions are also subject to an appellate process similar to the one found in most states. And just as important, the constitutional foundation of courts-martial is not in the least insecure. See Dines v. Hoover. The court-martial is older than the Constitution, was recognized and sanctioned by the framers, and has been authorized here since the first Congress. Throughout that history, courts-martial have operated as instruments of military justice, not mere military command. They are bound, like any court, by the fundamental principles of law and the duty to adjudicate cases without partiality. Bamsey argues that the court lacks jurisdiction because the CAAF is not an Article III court, but it is instead in the executive branch. This court's appellate jurisdiction, however, covers more than the decisions of Article III courts. This court can review proceedings of state courts, see Martin v. Hunter's lessee. It can also review certain non-Article III judicial systems created by Congress. In particular, this court has upheld its exercise of appellate jurisdiction over the decisions of non-Article III territorial courts, see United States v. Co., and it has uncontroversially exercised appellate jurisdiction over non-Article III District of Columbia courts, Palmore v. United States, the non-Article III court-martial system stands on much the same footing as territorial and D.C. courts. All three rest on an expansive constitutional delegation that have deep historical roots and perform an inherently judicial role. Thus, in Palmore, this court viewed the military territories and districts 
as specialized areas having particularized needs in which Article Three gives way to accommodate plenary grants of power to Congress. Bamsey does not provide a su sufficient reason to divorce military courts from territorial and D.C. courts when it comes to defining this court's appellate jurisdiction. He first relies on the fact that territorial and D.C. courts exercise power over a discrete geographic area, while military courts do not. But this distinction does not matter to the jurisdictional inquiry. His second argument focuses on the fact that the CAAF is in the executive branch. In his view, two of the court's precedents, ex parte Villingham and Marbury, show the court may never accept appellate jurisdiction from any person or body within that branch. As to Fallingdingham, that case goes to show only that not every military tribunal is alike. Unlike the military commission in Vallingdingham, which lacked judicial character, the CAAF is a permanent court of record established by Congress, and its decisions are final, unless the court reviews and reverses them. As to Marbury, James Madison's failure to transmit William Marbury's commission was not a judicial decision by a court. Here, by contrast, three constitutionally rooted courts rendered inherently judicial decisions. Judge Mitchell's simultaneous service on the CCA and the CMCR violated neither 973B2A nor the Appointments Clause. The statutory issue turns on two interlocking provisions. Section 973B2A is the statute that Ortiz claims was violated here. It prohibits military officers from holding or exercising the functions of certain civil offices in the federal government, except as otherwise authorized by law. Section 950FB is the statute that the government claims otherwise authorizes Judge Mitchell's CMCR service. Even if a seat on that court is a covered civil office, it provides two ways to become a CMCR judge. Under 950FB2, the Secretary of Defense may assign qualified officers serving on a CCA to be judges on the CMCR. And under 950FB3, the President, with the Senate's advice and consent, may appoint persons, whether officers or civilians is unspecified, to CMCR judgeships. Ortiz argues that Judge Mitchell was not authorized by law to serve on the CMCR after his appointment because 950FB3 makes no express reference to military officers. In the circumstance here, however, the express authorization to assign military officers to the CMCR under 950FB2 was the only thing necessary to exempt Judge Mitchell from 973B2A. Since once the Secretary of Defense placed Judge Mitchell on the CMCR pursuant to 950FB2, the President's later appointment made no difference. It did not negate the Secretary's earlier action, but rather ratified what the Secretary had already done. Thus, after the appointment, Judge Mitchell served on the CMCR by virtue of both the Secretary's assignment and the President's appointment. And because 950FB2 expressly authorized the Secretary's assignment, 
Judge Mitchell's CMCR service could not run afoul of 973B2A's general rule. Ortiz also raises an appointments clause challenge to Judge Mitchell's simultaneous service on the CCA and the CMCR. That clause distinguishes between principal officers and inferior officers. CCA judges are inferior officers. Ortiz views CMCR judges as principal officers, and Ortiz argues that under the Appointments Clause, a single judge cannot serve as an inferior officer on one court and a principal officer on another. But the court has never read the Appointments Clause to impose rules about dual service, separate and distinct from methods of appointment. And if the court were ever to apply the clause to dual office holding, it would not start here. Ortiz does not show how Judge Mitchell's CMCR service would result in undue influence on his CCA colleagues. The judgment is affirmed. Justice Kagan delivered the opinion of the court, in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Kennedy, Thomas, Ginsburg, Breyer, and Sotomayor joined. Justice Thomas filed a concurring opinion. Justice Alito filed a dissenting opinion in which Justice Gorsuch joined. Thank you for listening.